Now, we would like to think of some very beautiful, bright moments. You know what I mean? Bright moments. Bright moments is like <laughs> eating your last pork chop in London, England, because you ain't going to get no more. Cook from home. Bright moments is like being with your favorite love and y'all sharing the same ice cream dish and you get mad when she gets the last drop. And you have to take her in your arms and get it the other way. Bright moments. That's too heavy for most of y'all because y'all don't know about that kind of love. The love y'all have been taught about is the love in those magazines. And I am fortunate that I didn't have to look in magazines. <laughs> Bright moments. Bright moments is like seeing something that you ain't never seen in your life and you don't have to see it but you know how it looks. Bright moments is like hearing some music that ain't nobody else heard and they, if they heard it, they wouldn't even recognize that they heard it because they've been hearing it all their life, but they nutted on it. So when you hear it and you start popping your feet and jumping up and down, they get mad because you enjoying yourself, but those are bright moments that they can't share with you because they don't know even how to even go about listening to what you're listening to. And you, when you try to tell them about it, they don't know a damn thing about what you're talking about. <laughs> Is there any other bright moments before we <laughs> proceed on? Testify. Beautiful. Bright moments. Bright moments. Bright moments is like having brothers and sisters and sisterettes and brotherettes like y'all here listening to us. <laughs> Let's go into the studio. I'll show you some new pictures. But please don't ask me to explain. I just don't think it's possible. I paint. I can only describe this as a drive. You're listening to Painter Man. Painter Man. smooth talking DJ he says whether you're at home cooking tonight or ordering in from DoorDash 
I'll be serving you up some ear food all night long. I was like, uh, what? That sounds disgusting. Ear food. It's, he said it like it was a thing that people say all the time. Ear food. I'll be serving you up some ear food. Well, that's gross. But I'm going to be serving you up some ear food right now. Some ear food, eye food, mind food. Any kind of food you need to get you going. This is another episode of Painter Man, episode three of season three. And I know I said last episode I was going to do one every other week. It's been a bit longer than that. Maybe three weeks, four weeks. And I'm just going to stop promising a timetable. Uh, This is just, it's going to be irregular. It's going to be maybe some weeks you'll see one every week. Then uh, there might not be one for three weeks. What can I tell you? Commitments come up. Commitments that make me money. That I need to do to make money. Life comes up. What can I say? Life has been good. Life has been exciting. And that also... uh, You gotta let these things happen. You gotta let life breathe. And you gotta let the studio work breathe. In order to really talk about it. I would do one of these all the time if I could, but some weeks I I can only think about literally painting. I can't think about talking about painting. I'm inside of it. I'm in the moment. And then some weeks I'm really focused on making a website, and that's all I can really do when I don't draw or paint. And that's what's been happening. Uh, you know... I know, if you're listening to this, you might be aware, you follow me on social media, that I've just launched a brand new website. In the last few weeks, I was spending time working on that, and you're making promo content and doing that stuff. So I haven't actually painted, sadly. I haven't painted in two weeks. I've been sketching, but... We're coming back around to that now, and that's why I'm here talking to you, talking through it, looking at what I'm doing, planning ahead for the next phase, because I feel like, I feel like I'm entering a new phase here, you know, um, by the way, let's just do the, the usual Season 3, Episode 3 of Painter Man, recording this from an undisclosed location north of Boston on a Tuesday night, October 17th, 2023. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm letting things build up so I can have enough to talk about it, enough things to talk about. You know, and and there are times I just, I don't find it interesting at all. I can't find a way in uh, to know what to speak about. And it almost feels like uh, it would almost jinx what I'm doing to talk about it. It's like when you hear some good news, but you hold on to it. You hold on to it before you share it, because 
You know, if you let it out into the world, that could that could make it untrue. It's like a secret is a gift that you a gift for yourself. So sometimes I just feel like keeping what I'm doing secret. And sometimes I'm very confused about what I'm doing. It's hard to speak clearly. In the intro theme of uh, this episode, I play a clip from the surrealist painter Dorothea Tanning. And she says, please don't ask me to explain my work. Don't ask me to explain what it means. I can only describe it as a drive, a drive to paint. Moving as if pushed by a motor, not conscious of the meaning of things, not conscious of what attracted you to the subject, what that may mean to you, to other people. It is a drive. I really relate to that. I, most of the artists I admire uh, work in that way, where you're not working from the concept backwards. I don't work that way. It's a drive. And then I figure out what the hell I'm talking about after. Uh, anytime I've tried to come at something where I've had a grand idea, um, and then you work backwards that way, it just it doesn't work. Um, now, that's different from, from storytelling or uh, illustrating a story or thinking you want to make a body of work based on some kind of theme, overarching theme, story. How many times can I repeat story? Uh, it's different. That, that's a little different, but still the actual content of the paintings um, and what comes out as you're working on them, it's always different. I have to leave space for that to happen. I have to leave space to surprise myself. So whatever kind of framework I may think I have, um, I'm still operating from this, uh, doing it in the moment and then kind of figuring it out as you go. Um, inarticulate speech of the heart, as Van Morrison said, that's a really beautiful phrase. Think about that. I've been thinking about that a lot. I discovered this album by Van Morrison this summer. It's a very slept-on album of his. It's really affected me. It continues to really move me every time I listen to it. Um, that phrase, that phrase resonates so deeply with how I approach art. To me, what the what art does at its best... Um, that's what it is. It's inarticulate speech of the heart. Dorothea Tanning also said, I, I wanted to lead the eye into spaces that hid, revealed, transformed all at once and where there would be some never-before-seen image, as if it had appeared with no help from me. 
It's like being guided by someone outside of her own bottom. It, out of her own body, I mean. It appeared with no help from me. Most of the paintings, painters I admire, that's, that's an effect that they achieve. Um, you're not making the painting. The painting is being revealed to you. Um, I've played another clip on this show before from Philip Guston where he describes something very similar about painting being revealed to him that it's not forced. It cannot be produced like clockwork. There is no secret formula, and as soon as you think you have a secret formula, you have to throw that out. Because they don't have the same sense of vitality. They don't, they're dead on arrival. You can, you can work it as much as you can. You could force it, push it into a corner, cram it, crumple it up. But you have to let that painting reveal itself to you. So I've been, I'm definitely at a point where it's been a few weeks, I was on a, a big roll, and I had to stop, focus on some, getting some other things in order, getting this store up and going, and so my brain is in a different place, but all the while, I'm thinking about my next move, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm actually appreciating the break, because it's allowing me to see what I did this summer, uh, as far as oil painting goes, and to really see it, even things that I talked about on this podcast, um, in the moment, I described making them in the moment with the first episode, um, see it so much differently now. So, I don't know, I don't know exactly what's next. But something is coming. There's a change happening. There's a change in me happening. Back to this, this idea of kind of letting things happen. The philosopher Byung Chul Han, who I, I like his writing a lot. I like his thinking a lot. He says he writes about three sentences a day. He mostly prizes his time alone. He needs a lot of alone time. And he spends a lot of time gardening and playing piano, doing anything other than hyper-focusing on his writing. He describes it... He describes writing sentences more as receiving ideas, not actually writing. Back to that phrase, receiving he says, I'm extremely lazy. I work in the garden most of the time and play piano. And then maybe I sit at my desk for an hour. Maybe I write three sentences a day, which then becomes a book. But I don't try to write. I receive thoughts. The ones in the books aren't mine. I receive the ones that visit me and I copy them. 
I don't claim ownership of my books, and that's why the words in them are wiser than I am. Therefore, they have to interview interview my books, not me. I am an idiot. I love that. And I feel the same way. I also don't claim to be on the same level of thought as Byung Chul Han at all. Um, but I feel like an idiot most of the time trying to discuss this stuff. I can't bear to listen back to any of these podcasts. The minute they're done editing, I, I'm done with them. Just keep moving on. Many songwriters describe writing songs in the same way, and my own experience writing songs has been similar. If, if you don't know, I, I used to write music. That was, that was actually my main outlet for many years. And, uh, yeah, my favorite songwriter, my favorite artist, really, Bob Dylan, he famously said he doesn't know how he wrote most of his intense lyrics, most of his epic Baroque lyrics. Songs like Gates of Eden or Desolation Row, he has no idea how he wrote those. Couldn't write them if he tried. He described it once again as that he received those songs. I bring this up once again to acknowledge that it is impossible to speak about painting, about my painting, articulately. And yet, I continue to do this podcast. Because it's so, it's, it serves as a place to ask questions, um, to contemplate out loud, talking through things in public, holding your feet to the fire a little bit. You know, like I said, putting something out there sometimes spoils it. Revealing secrets can sometimes ruin a thing for you, but there is a benefit to also putting something out there, and, and that's holding you to it, announcing you're going to do something that can hold you to it. Um, you know, maybe that's why I always, probably four or five times now, I, I say, I'm going to put out an episode every week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, I swear. Because uh, if I didn't at least do that, maybe maybe I, I wouldn't even do any episodes. So I have to kind of nag myself. I'm at a point with the paintings where I need to make some new moves. Also just to keep me invested. It is the fall now. I am someone that always changes with the seasons. My moods, my uh, aesthetic interests. What I want to depict, what I'm trying to capture. It is very influenced by my environment the atmosphere, the atmospheric pressure that is affecting my mental and physical health, all of these things come into play. 
And the summer work was very summery. I was doing oil paintings of swimmer, swimmers. Oh, boy. Sunsets, beach scenes. I don't feel that connected to that. Rather, I, I don't feel motivated to continue that series. I feel connected to those works. I like those works quite a bit. But it's clear to me now that um, there's something else going on there. That it's not just about my current surroundings. Um, that I, I think I'm actually... I think I'm visualizing some kind of longing for a place of a different kind. This is another thing that does repeat in my work, I've noticed. Uh, very idealistic, ideal places, ideal people. The idea of paradise has come up often in my work. Arcadia, Avalon, uh, I've, I've referenced a number of different ideas of paradise and work. And I, and I kind of think, I think that the painting is sometimes a manifestation of, of these desires. And I can't say any more on that at the moment. But what is evident is, once again, that for my own motor to keep driving, I need to make a sharp turn and then keep going down that road. I don't know where it's going to lead, but at this point, I trust my instincts enough. I know that. That even if I don't exactly know what I want to make or what I am making, what it's all about, I do trust my instincts very much. My gut is very wise. I literally, this has been happening a lot lately, I, I, when something is off, I get sick. I really feel it. I get very sick lately when something is wrong. Sick to my stomach. But this has been my whole life. I used to get wildly nervous and throw up and before football games as a little kid, before concerts that I would play. I, I would constantly, the, the, the gut knows. And my instincts know as well. And as long as I'm being honest with myself, uh, I'll know what the right thing to do is. And uh, I think I think it'll lead me someplace new and exciting and creatively fertile. Just in time for the holiday season, I'm thrilled to announce the grand opening of a brand new shop on a brand new samspano.com. In honor of this grand event, I'm cleaning house and bringing you amazing deals on drawings, watercolors, and oil paintings. Whether you're in search of art to elevate your home, restaurant, retail establishment, or your office, I am confident you'll discover pieces that breathe life into your space. 
my art complements a variety of places, from dining and bar areas to children's rooms and play spaces. Or perhaps you're seeking artwork that resonates with you on a deeper, more personal level. That elusive piece that you can't quite put into words, but you know it when you see it. I hope to make that connection with you today. So head on over to the brand new samspano.com. next thing next segment I'm gonna try something a little different so I have to admit I have succumbed to the influence of TikTok I've been doing a little bit of perusing on the TikTok trying to understand it trying to see if maybe there was something interesting I could do with it as an artist trying to reach new audiences, trying to put myself out there. And, and I noticed this thing on TikTok that there's quite a bit of people who, they simply just state facts. They just say the most basic facts you've ever heard, and they say it very plainly, uh, with no opinions. Uh, sometimes there's no modulation in the voice. They might use very dramatic music. There was one I saw the other night. It was like really dramatic game show music. And the guy was just talking very dryly. Can't find that one now. And then you have ones like this guy. Fun facts about art until the Orbeez overflow. The Mona Lisa wasn't famous so until just, it was stolen he's in 1911. Poured some Orbeez into a cup of water and in reading, as they expand in the water, skills. he's just the stating facts. Now this guy is 45 war. years old. He's dressed like a zoomer. He looks like an even more methed out Steve from Blue's Clues. I hate this guy. But he's got billions, millions, I should say, of followers and hits. He's got six, six point one million followers. And this is all he does. He just says basic facts, and the gimmick is the Orbeez fill up while he's talking them. He's truly disturbing to look at. And we have this nice lady. Would you call a child a rat in public. When it comes to this sculpture by Edouard Degas, that's exactly what she's, he did. You know, welcome back so to Frame Facts. This frame Facts, welcome back. And she's, yeah, this fun you facts behind art. Edward and you know, I, I have to say, uh, this is not the worst idea. You know, I have a lot of artists who listen to the show, but not everyone's an artist, and sometimes people check out the show who don't know anything about art but they're interested and things that I may think that everyone knows or that are a little basic, uh, they're still very interesting. And, and in fact, uh, 
There's a reason sometimes things are so well-known, like the Mona Lisa. I I can tell you from experience, the Mona Lisa is the only painting that kids know about. Elementary age kids. I've taught in schools, and that was the only thing about art they knew. They've heard of and seen the Mona Lisa. And then the question always is, why is that so famous? Now, the last, that little short clip I just played, he says it wasn't famous until it was stolen. Uh, Yes and no. Yes and no. There is some truth to that. But let's dig a little deeper with the Mona Lisa. It is time now for Painter Man Art Facts. It's time for Art Facts. Art Facts. Probably the single most famous painting, and maybe one of the most famous ladies in the world, the Mona Lisa has had her fair share of admirers. Commissioned by the wealthy silk merchant and dignitary from Florence, Francesco del Giocondo, to paint a portrait of his wife, Lisa Gerardini, and painted by the Italian genius, artist, inventor, and scientist Leonardo da Vinci, there's always been something about Lisa that has inspired and captivated hordes of people since she made her first appearance. But did you know that the Mona Lisa was almost never finished? Art Facts Yes, the Mona Lisa was started in 1503, but da Vinci had to pause the work to, well, make some money. He had higher paying commissions to attend to, and he did not finish the work until 1516, although even that date is uncertain. Art facts. Art facts. Art facts. Art facts. Things that are true. King Francis I was the first person to own the painting. It never made it to the Florentine merchant that commissioned it. Then it became the property of the nation of France. In 1797, it was finally moved to the Louvre in Paris, where she's lived peacefully ever since. Or has she? Art facts. Yes, indeed. Over the last 100 years, the Mona Lisa has been stolen, defaced, and been the subject of much scrutiny. For example, in 1911, the painting was stolen. No one knew who did it or how. The then young, hotshot, firebrand painter Pablo Picasso was accused of stealing the work perhaps due to his unconventional reputation. Then it turned out to be a museum employee, which is often the case in these instances, and the painting was returned to the museum in 1914. Aside from theft, the Mona Lisa has been subject to much vandalism, having rocks, acid, and even paint thrown at it. Thankfully, it's behind bulletproof glass. Art Facts The Mona Lisa has become so beloved, so ubiquitous in culture, that it is often easy to forget the artistic accomplishments it first became renowned for. Indeed, the Mona Lisa's smile is one notable aspect of the portrait, but it's also a prime example of many Renaissance achievements. The mastery of perspective, in this case, aerial perspective. The realistic rendering of the portrait, particularly 
Da Vinci's mastery of the sfumato technique, a painting technique that involves the smooth, almost imperceptible transition from one color to another, using subtle tonal gradations. It's evident throughout the painting, but Leonardo's use of sfumato is particularly visible in the soft contouring of her face around the eyes and the mouth. Art facts. Perhaps this subtle technique has added to the mystic beauty that has inspired so many people that inside the Louvre, the Mona Lisa has her own mailbox, packed daily with love notes from countless secret admirers. Art facts. Art facts. Art facts. Things that are true. Well, there you have it, folks. Just a few factual statements about the famous Mona Lisa. This has been Art Facts. You're listening to Painter Man. To learn more, visit samspano.com, instagram.com slash sam.spano. Follow the show on Spotify to answer Q&A, send a voice message, and much, much more. Your voice message may be heard on the next episode of Painter Man. fun. I probably need to practice my TikTok delivery. I need to probably speak a little quicker. Maybe put a chipmunk vocal effect on it. Uh we'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll 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 hone this segment in. Now, it is time for listener voicemail. Painter man, you've got voicemail. Voicemail for Painter man. Hello, Painter Man. This is your listener, Fortnite Fanatic 69 from Massachusetts. My question is Have you ever participated in the creation of graffiti? And uh, I guess a follow up question What is your take on Banksy? You don't have to answer that second one if you don't want. All right, have a good day. This is Fortnite Fanatic 69. Okay, so we got all the classics today, all the perennials. We got the Mona Lisa, we got Banksy. We're doing it all. We're, we're covering the wide swath. I, I was going to talk about Milan Kunk today, so no one's heard of that guy. Let's talk about people that people know. So graffiti is, this is going to get me into some hot water here, my opinions on graffiti. Uh, first, no, I have never, ever participated in graffiti. Um, I know plenty of people who do it. Um, 
from Massachusetts. I know people who do it. And then when I lived in the Bay Area, I knew a lot of people who did it. It's very common there, uh, especially at SFAI where I went. It's, it's a scene. It's a whole thing. Uh, most of the painters who went there before my generation, you know, that whole mission school thing, uh, they were all very involved in graffiti and doing uh, public art. Public art. You shouldn't call that public art because public art sounds like it's like sanctioned by the by the government, by the city. But they were doing things out in public, whether it was graffiti or more like a mural or whatever, the mission school. And I love a lot of those artists. And I like a lot of the stuff they did. I've never participated in it because uh, it's just, it's not my thing. It's, I don't like painting on walls to begin with, really. Uh, um, I like, I'm not that kind, I don't, I'm, I'm not that, uh, I'm not that social. I don't want to go out and do that all night. It's not my, I don't know, it's just not, uh, I'm not a... The main thing is I find graffiti ugly. I find most graffiti absolutely hideous and an eyesore. And uh, I think it ruins most places that it's put. There, I said it. Call me a fascist. Call me what you will. Um, I think anyone who does graffiti should be put to death. I'm kidding, but I really don't like the the look of it most of the time. That classic graffiti 80s kind of style. You know, I had my time very into the downtown New York scene. And, uh, you know, I, looking at a lot of those people and the people who came out of the graffiti world and... Uh, you know, it's all fine and good. And then, you know, just that kind of, I can appreciate it. I don't, you know, when I see like abandoned trains and stuff covered with graffiti, I mean, it looks cool. That looks cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I can appreciate when it's really impressive work or when someone got up really high, did something in a crazy location. Okay, cool. That's that's all great, but it's just not it's not my thing. It's not I'm 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 a good boy. I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to cause trouble for for people. And most of the time, most of the graffiti I've seen is just it, it's not worth the trouble, in my opinion. It's hideous. Um. Look, I want my world, I want the things around me to be beautiful. And I like things that are clean, orderly, <laughs> clean, straight lines, 90 degree angles, fascist aesthetics. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm definitely kidding. But it's, uh, hey, I'm Italian. It's in my blood. A little bit, a little bit. Um, 
So no, never done graffiti, never will. Again, it's just not my thing. I like, it's not, uh, if I want to hang out with, with dudes, I mean, we're just going to hang out. I like hanging out and drinking. I like hanging out and smoking. You know, I, I, I'll do that, but uh, going through the trouble, bringing cans of paint, running away, it's just, it's no, not not for me. I like being in the studio, in my weird little world, uh, with my little projects, tinkering with them independently. I don't like painting in front of people, really, unless it's like in a in a classroom setting. I don't know. Call me call me a traditionalist if you haven't noticed. If you've been paying attention, yeah, uh, you know I'm a fairly, you know. My my paintings, uh, everything about me is fairly traditional. Uh, the graffiti thing is just never. Now th- there's people who do interesting stuff with it for sure. Um, you know, I thought even uh, Basquiat's early stuff, the Samo stuff, is pretty cool. There's potential there. Let's not even get into him, but he spawned so many imitators that you can't look at him now because you go online and you'll see 50 of him, 50 people at least trying to be him. You'll go into a clothing store and his estate has licensed his stuff to like three different clothing companies. Uh, that's, that's a whole other story. But so and what Aside from his painting, I think even his graffiti has inspired imitators all these years later. Um, so I don't know. You know, I, I I understand the history and the importance of graffiti movements. Um, I understand the rush that some of my friends get doing it. And I also appreciate the talent that goes into doing a lot of it. It's just not my thing. Um, And most, again, most of the time in cities I've been in, I I really think graffiti's ugly and has and ruins the the thing that it's on. You know, you wanna you wanna put it on a. I just don't like it. I was going to say, you put it on an abandoned building, you know, go to town, you know, do whatever. But it's, it's, I don't think it's that cool. I'm sorry. It's just not what I like about art. It's not the experience I like about painting or any kind of visual aesthetics. I like things to be in context, controlled, safe. I don't know. And then Banksy, uh, so same kind of thing. Uh, well, he, he, you know, what do I think of him? I think he is a very simple mind. Uh, his work, the concepts, I should say. He as a figure and as a person is obviously he's quite 
he's quite smart at at some things because he's managed to to become quite quite famous even though he's unknown as to who he really is he's managed to make quite a dent in the art world so i mean he's obviously smart in that respect i th- and he's smart in actually making his message simple so yeah his messages the main thing behind his artwork are sometimes eye-rollingly obvious um but I think for people of a certain age, that's okay. That's good. Uh, he may have served as a good entry point for some people into, I don't know, questioning things about society, looking at, at things about even the art world, how that operates. I think that documentary was fascinating. That's probably the most interesting thing I've seen from him, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Fascinating. Very, you know, well done. So I think he's opened doors for people, um, hopefully to maybe go into some deeper spaces. Um, His graffiti, artwork, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's, again, sometimes just very obvious, kind of laughable stuff that has inspired so many imitators that, the imitators are so corny and simple that it 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 doesn't make his work look better. It makes it look even stupider. So, and then, you know, the thing that he did to paint, you know, he has a, um, a recognizable and simple visual style that is uh, necessary for the way he's he's doing his work. Um, the way he's executing those pieces, it has to look like that. It has to be done that way. Um, so I think that is also smart of him. Um, you know, good on you, Banksy, whoever you are, good on you. It's not for me. Again, he's not making art for people like me or anyone in the art world. And that's why he put it out in the public. It's definitely reaching people who, I guess, maybe have never thought about the political things he's talking about, the things about society, you know. But it's just so, you know, the, the to the couple staring in the cell phones while they're they're kissing each other, but they're, like, looking at their phones. You know, it's just like, okay... You, there's, we get it. We're we're all there now. We we understand the world we live in. It it stinks. Um, yeah. Again, not for me. I like the theory that he might be the guy from Massive Attack because I like Massive Attack a lot. Um, that's pretty cool. So if if that's true, then I like that project even more the whole Banksy project I've also heard that it was um who else did they say it was once I've heard the guy from Massive Attack I've heard uh who's that British uh he's like a uh he's like a commentator 
Jimmy Savile. Heard that. <laughs> um, and who else? It's also maybe um, there was another famous. There's like a famous artist that they they said it was another type of artist. I don't know. Uh, and I, I can't even. If I was like really into this, I'd be like, oh, f- you know, forget Banksy, look at this guy. But I don't know enough about any of this stuff to point to another street art. You know, the whole advent of street art. Um, the Shepherd Fairy, God, I remember when I was an undergrad, it was the time of the Obama first. Obama inauguration with the Shepherd Ferry poster, and then there was a big Shepherd Ferry exhibition at the ICA in Boston. I was going to school in Boston at the time, and I remember being the only person in my class, in my undergrad class, who despised Shepherd Ferry and was very vocal about it. Um, I wasn't anti-Obama at the time I voted for him that first term, so it wasn't that. It was just that this whole exhibition and all of the stuff around the Hope poster, um, it just seemed like they were gassing up this guy way too much. Uh, And again, I just thought it was so simple, simplistic, simple-minded, and shallow, and... um, not visually interesting. Uh, again, he was pulling from, you know, Soviet propaganda and uh, a lot of other sources that I got. I understood it. Everyone at the time was talking about him, almost like like he was like this new master, and it was you know because of the hope poster too. It was very. There was this um, untouchable energy around him. And I remember, uh, you know, I, I, I had to call it out. So there's a few undergrad seminars that I was the only one shitting on the uh, ICA exhibit. I don't know. That's just my nature. I just, th- that whole thing, that whole, sh- so that was that time, tw- tw- yeah, 2008. It's like when that whole thing, that street art thing, really started taking hold. Um, Oh, my God. Uh, Swoon was another one that was talked a lot about in my school at the time. Yeah, it it was the only art people knew. That was also the thing with Shepard Fairey. I resented that it was like that was the only thing people knew, even people in my art school. They only knew about street art. And I'm I'm over here. Uh, at the time, I was very into, uh, like, Robert Rauschenberg and that stuff. Um, this just was in a different, different planet. Uh, so I resented, I resented kind of the the lack of curiosity about art of the last 50 years. I thought people and my peers were 
just into the new thing. And I kind of resented that. Um, Cause I didn't find the new thing that interesting. And I thought the new thing was inspiring a lot of half baked brain dead kind of vaguely political art from my peers as well. Um, so I, I, I did not like it and I still don't voicemail for painter man. Uh, do we have any more? No, no, we don't have any more voicemail. So no more voicemail and no more show. That is it. That is going to conclude episode three of painter man. Episode three of season three of painter man. Thank you for listening. Please uh, let me know what you think. And don't forget, if you listen on Spotify or if you just go to my main page, my main Painterman webpage, which is in the link on my Instagram. I know you follow me if you're listening to this. Um, go to that Spotify page. You can send me a voicemail through there. Or if you have my number, just text me one. Uh, do that. Check out my new website. Holiday season's coming up. You're looking for something to buy, looking to give someone some art. Um, I am going to be putting new things on there consistently up until the holidays. And I think I even have some merch coming, some wearable art coming. So that's all very exciting. Stay tuned for that and stay tuned for the next episode of Painter Man. Good night. Be careful.
of something that's just what you want it to be. 